Hello and welcome back to the Football Hipsters podcast. My name is Chris, I am your host as always, and we are the podcast that always promises to come to you after certain games and then continuously fails to do so. But, you know, who's counting? Who's counting? You're here tonight, aren't you, listeners? That's what counts. So we are going to be discussing really kind of a bit of a preview pod tonight. We want to look ahead to the last 16. But because we didn't grace you with our presence, uh, the plan was to to give you a podcast after each of the uh, sort of uh, well, the, the, the culminative group stage, if you will, after each group game. But the uh, the good old people at UEFA didn't give us a break day until now, so we just haven't been able to fit it in. So we do apologise, dear listener, but we're here today and that's what counts. And when I say we, I shall introduce my fellow guests. Uh, I have got Rustling McLana. Lana, how are you doing? I'm good, thank you. How are you? Good, good. I'm fine. That's a, it's almost like you're a little hedgehog burying away there. It's like a little Russell, Russell, Russell. Um, I've also got uh, the man on the buttons, Mr. Josh Dorr. Hi, Josh. Hey, Chris. How's it going? Good, thank you. You are a lot more than just the man on the buttons. It just sounds like a nice, cute kind of phrase, doesn't it? So I'm going to go with that from now on. Uh, and I've also got Mr. Tom Bates. Tom, how you doing? Yeah, good, thank you, mate. You're good. Good, good. Yeah, not too bad, mate. Not too bad. Uh, surviving and all that. So let's uh, let's waste no time, boys and girls. Let's jump straight in. So uh, I think where we're going to start really is is looking at the the brackets as we uh, as we know how they're going to be confirmed. Now we've got one extremely top heavy side and then one sort of not so quite top heavy side. So on the left hand side of the door, if you will, we will see Belgium face Portugal, Austria face Italy or Italy face Austria that way around if you prefer France against Switzerland Croatia against Spain and then on the right hand side of the draw Sweden face Ukraine England face Germany of course they do and uh, we've got the Netherlands against Czech Republic and Wales against Denmark so there is plenty to uh, to get stuck into in these draws and we're probably going to kind of reflect a little bit on the on the group stages and how they ended up finishing up as we go so uh let's start on the left hand side of the draw who should i pick on first tom gonna pick on you first why not every time i swear (laughs) belgium versus portugal we saw belgium kind of ease through the group fairly comfortably in the end um they were, i don't really think they were ever particularly tested other than a, a fairly robust finished defense which they eventually broke down and portugal came coming through the uh, the aforementioned group of death whatever you want to call it i mean that sounds cute doesn't it at times they were bottom of the group last night then they were third then they were first then they were second eventually they got through uh, alongside france and germany so belgium portugal on paper it looks quite spicy this one doesn't it what do you make of that particular fixture yeah i think when i glanced at the bracket this was the first opening game bar the england one obviously that i thought will be one that i'm 99.9 percent tuning into i think both teams have got a lot of attacking talent i think their defensive um, areas are the slightly weaker parts to their game um, and I don't want to jinx it but it's definitely looking to be as you mentioned a spicy fixture I think there could be quite a few goals in this if both teams decide to um, absolutely go for it I hope, I'm hoping as a neutral that Portugal aren't going to be as uh, robust at the back as they might like I'm hoping maybe that Belgium potentially get that first goal so that Portugal are going to be forced to play quite expansive because I know they can play quite rigid football at times but they've got the players that that can potentially hurt Belgium more than um, the sides that they've come up against so far. So I can definitely see um, at least two goals 
um, in this game from potentially each side, actually, um, with regards to how solid they are at the back. Um, but yeah, definitely at first glance, this is this is uh, quite a juicy game in terms of that that first round of 16 bracket for sure. Yeah, yeah. So he's got kind of all the makings of of the melting pot. Um, Josh, what do you what do you make of this particular fixture? It's in Seville, so it's on that. Uh, it's in the sandbox uh, because that pitch is pretty horrendous. <laughs> Don't know if that might make any any sort of impact on this fixture. Do you feel? I mean, Belgium have looked overall pretty pretty good. I think it's fair to say, and uh, Portugal, you know. They're, I can never quite work them out. You know, one minute I think they look really good, another minute I sort of think, are they really any good, or is it just kind of Ronaldo and a few bits alongside him? What, what's your kind of thoughts going into this fixture? Yeah, I think with Belgium, it's uh, a bit like I suppose we're going to talk about them in a second with Germany, almost like a last chance saloon for this generation of players, um, especially with Martinez uh, almost certainly leaving at the end of uh, the Euros. I don't know if things like, you know, the, the temperature in Sevilla, especially at that kind of time, I think nine o'clock local time, it can be quite hot in June, something like 40 degrees. It's whether or not those players can cope. But obviously, uh, you know, just because a player plays for the Portuguese national team doesn't mean that's where he lives. Um, you know, as uh, I'd say Diego Jota, uh, probably not used to 40 degree uh, heat up in uh, Liverpool or in the, even in the Midlands where he was at Wolves previously. So it'll be interesting how I think they cope with that game. And I wonder if the heat may stifle it a little bit, uh, but it could be one of those Portugal just, I can see they can, they can also outgun as well as just completely just block out teams in my mind and this Belgian side I would say flatter to deceive they seem like everybody who is a fan of the Premier League Belgium's their second side because it's fundamentally built built up of players that you see week in week out in the Premier League um, the fitness of De Bruyne I think will be huge for them and mm. if he can get into the game I think that would be um, yeah, absolutely a huge boost for them. Uh, but Portugal have shown that they can create superbly, um, even even in the game against France uh, that we just saw what, like yesterday evening in the uh, the crazy end to Group F. That Portugal can be a very solid team and play through um, even some of the, you know the greatest midfields on paper. Um, they're still very technical side and I think potentially another flatter to see for Belgium and this generation will drop into the likes of, you know, the 90s Spain and the uh, early 90s uh, Dutch teams, which looked like they could win everything, but just always seem to, to choke at the last minute. Yeah, come up short essentially, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, agreed with agreed with that one. Um, looking at the next fixture, I'm, I'm going to give to you, Lana, is uh, is Italy against Austria, which is the next one to preview. That one, uh, I believe that's it at Wembley, isn't it? So in London, so yeah, Italy. They're kind of a lot of people's favourites, aren't they? Because they've they've been pretty impressive. My only slight concern is they've they've played a lot of fairly average teams for quite a while now. But you being sort of quite a close follower of Juve and, and keeping a close eye on, on Serie A, it's a good squad, isn't it? I mean, they, they've got the potential and 
I don't really give Austria much of a hope in this one. So do you see this as a fairly easy path through for the Italians? I mean, as you mentioned, they've had a really, really good tournament so far. Uh, I think it was Tom who mentioned it earlier that they're probably dark horses because no one actually counts on them to do well. But they have such a good mix of old and young that they've collectively really performed well. I mean, Locatelli's been an exciting player to watch. Verratti's back. The defense has been solid, so I don't think it should be an issue. But then again, we shouldn't underestimate Austria either. Uh, so who knows? Yeah, yeah, that's probably a fair point. I mean, not, maybe I've been a bit harsh on Austria there, but I just, I just sort of feel like the the way the Italians seem to be physically pumped up for this one, they seem to be very very set that they are going to take this tournament by storm and, and essentially just go at teams. And I don't know if Austria can, to use what the kids say, handle the smoke. See, I'm down with the kids, boys and girls. What do you make of this one, Josh? Any thoughts on, on Italy against uh, against Austria? I mean, maybe you can make a case for the defence. Austria were very, very, well, I don't want to say... I don't want to say bad in the group stage because they weren't bad in the group stage. They had their moments, didn't they? It, they, they struck me as a team that... If they really let loose, they might be quite good, but they're almost afraid to let loose against unless it's against lesser opposition. And in this game, I kind of imagine they're just going to put quite a lot of players behind the ball. Yeah, I imagine it's going to be showing us, again, can uh, Italy break a side down uh, rather than, uh, you know, the it kind of being getting lucky on the break. Um, for me, I can't really make too much of a defence for... Austria getting through this. Um, for me, I think Italy are the favourites uh, for the tie anyway. The uh, Whether or not favourite for the tournament, just look at the bracket they're in. It's uh, certainly tricky to make it even to the semi-finals uh, through that tie. Uh, so I'll be very interested to, uh, to, to just see how that progresses. I think we can mention now that this Euros has definitely been built to try and have a big uh, nation fall out at every knockout stage. And I think the way that that kind of side of the group has leveled up is it is a case of, uh, you know, quarterfinals, semifinals, we're going to see huge nations dropping out that potentially do it undeservedly as well. Yeah, I think that's, that's quite a good point, actually, because uh, like with Italy as well, I wonder, I wonder how the farther they progress into the tournament, I wonder how they're going to manage being one of the favourites because at the moment they sort of come into the, the 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 tournament basically being a team to watch and they've blown away most of the team. Well, but all the teams they played in the group stage, but things change, don't they, when the favourite yeah. tag is applied, as as yeah. England would know. And, and the winner of this tie goes up against the as you said the the Belgian and Portugal groups yeah. uh, or tie. So they're not going to get an easy fixture after this. Uh, no. that's for sure. Yeah, because they get the winner, don't they, of Belgium and uh, yeah, and Portugal. So yeah, that that will be a, a pretty tasty tie, um, and that will more be hosted in Munich. It's uh, it's to Bucharest we go next, though. And Tom, we've got France against Switzerland. I think probably the neutrals are pretty much going to say that that France should be favourites for this game. There is previous France have, have beaten Portugal in, in uh, previous tournaments. I think the World Cup was the last one. I think they hit them for five actually a few years back, but Switzerland are one of those weird teams, aren't they? Again, like just when you think they're dead and buried, they're gone. They perform like they did against Turkey in the last group game, which, to be fair, Turkey were pretty dreadful. But 
Yeah, Switzerland. That they, they've got the know-how. Basically, is is essentially what I'm getting what I'm getting at with this one. Do you give them much of a chance, or, or are you sort of on the France bandwagon of that they are only going to get better as deeper the tournament they progress? Yeah, and no, I think we've still got a lot to see from <clears throat> from that French team, um, and I think it's going to be. I think this will be a really good springboard game for France to get some confidence, um, get a, maybe a, maybe a three goal game here. Um, I can't really look past them to be honest. I, I know Switzerland. They can when they when they show up. They can give a team a good run for their money. I know sometimes with players like Shakiri, they can pull a goal out of absolutely nothing out of the blue. But I just think the the depth of the France team, the quality that they have in the first team, it would take two or three Loris absolute shockers um, for this one to go in Switzerland's favour. To be honest, I think France have just got a little bit too much for them um, in terms of the quality. But then again tournament football I suppose any anything can happen but I think it would have to be such an extreme um for for Switzerland to come through this game I'm pretty sure when they when they won that game against Turkey <clears throat> they were very happy with the result and then they looked into who they were playing up next and then instantly <laughs> their heart just hit the floor probably but yeah I, I think you've got to back um back France for that one for sure yeah I think I'm pretty much in the, in the same same bracket as yourself um on the Lana, you probably want to have a little input on France. I mean, obviously, the game last night was was one of the the better of the group stages. A two-two draw with Portugal it raised a few questions. But uh, do you feel like like this France team are are only going to get better because they need to really, don't they? they? Haven't quite clicked into gear as of yet. No, I mean, it sort of gives me vibes of two thousand and two World Cup, and then it also makes me feel like okay. The two goals Benzema got, you know, immense pressure off him. It gives him the confidence because, you know, people talk a lot about how, you know, Giroud has been benched, but it's important that both of them are full on confidence because we're going to need them going forward. And I think Tom is giving us a lot of credit thinking we're going to score three, (laughs) especially given the way Loris is behaving at the moment. It was flashbacks to Lopez versus Monaco with that god awful kick of his uh so i am not confident as i mentioned in the first podcast i am still very on the defense just because we've yet to see much of mbappe uh worried about how griezmann isn't utilized to his full potential but the bright highlight has been pogba to be honest Mm. um you know as you know, Tom, he doesn't perform well for United, but he has been amazing for France. Uh, and it's just a joy to watch him play. So he's going to be probably our most important player just because he makes everything tick in that midfield going forward. Yeah, he's, he really has been excellent, hasn't he? In this, in this tournament, he's he's just shown to be the player that, that he, he can be on his day. Um, so, sorry, Chris. It's, it's, a, it's a really frustrating thing with, with Pogba because obviously following United for... for so long now and seeing how when 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 he's on his day at United he's brilliant but do you think it's to do with that that dressing room atmosphere in France because whenever you see him with the French national team I know he's very happy-go-lucky with United anyway but do you think it's the dressing room effect that has on him or do you think it's more to do with the system because in United he's he seems less than half the player that you see when whenever we see him on on telly for France, it's like why is that the Pogba that you can't get at United? It's almost like a chalk and cheese. Is, do you yeah. think there's a particular reason for it? Or I, I personally think it's just it's the things he's asked to do at United. I don't think he's he, he's essentially carrying 
a lot of United's midfield is Neil on his back and other alongside McTominay. Whereas in, in midfield, like if, for example at France, he's got he's got Kante alongside him. So yeah. I mean that that immediately makes his job a lot easier. I think I think as well he's just Lada might might have a, a view on this as well, but he he just always feels very at home in the French setup. He always feels like a guy who who looks forward to his international duty, and it, it's almost like seeing his best friends. And I'm not saying he doesn't have friends at, at United, but it's it's almost like he's he's kind of his creativity is almost beaten out of him at United. You know where he's he's not really. It's allowed a different to culture. Himself. I yeah, mean, that's that's the word. Yeah, Tom, you have this issue with Pogba. Uh, f- f- us as France fans had this issue with Henri because yeah. he didn't perform to the same level for France as he did for Arsenal. So whenever this is also one of the many reasons why he hasn't been much liked in the uh, you know in back in France. And the most amazing thing about Henri is that fact that he only has one assist from Zidane throughout their whole career together for the French national team, which yeah. is like insane given how good Zidane was for France. But it just goes to show that some people don't perform as well for the national team as they do for club and vice versa. Uh, I think it's a mix of the players he's surrounded with, the culture, uh, the fact that they, you know, he's back home. It has a lot to say as well and he has been under a lot of pressure at United I assume as well yeah uh, sure. fans abusing him as well and it has been a turbulent you know couple of years for you guys change of managers players and etc so I don't know I don't have a definite answer for you I mean I can only imagine it's frustrating for you but <laughs> yeah, I'm enjoying it it, it. <laughs> it, it always <laughs> It always seems like the way I can sum it up from a United perspective is like when he plays for United, it's like his job. When he plays for France, it's like he's playing over the park with his mates and it's just more of a hobby. Like he seems so much more relaxed for France to be able to do um, like what what makes him a great player, what you saw at Juve with that, that free reign role. Um, to, I know you expect a lot from midfielders and Paul Pogba like at moments can't a lot of people label him as a as a box to box midfielder but then he does have moments under united where if, if he doesn't track someone back then you you can just feel like the frustration from fans just all on top of him and i definitely think that the the mentality that he has at united just seems so completely different as to like he's he's got the weight of, of the whole club on his shoulders at times i think maybe now with fernandez coming in and the the new big signing since he joined and now starting to come through maybe with that potential Sancho transfer as well, that he might start to lose some of that expectation and responsibility and potentially, I don't know, produce some better football, really, or more consistent football, sorry, should I say. But it has a lot to do with the harmony as well. I mean, people always uh, trash talk Deschamps for why he picks certain players, but it is because of the squad harmony, which has been a huge part of his success. You know, winning the World Cup and... Uh, leading up to that uh, win as well, that squad harmony has probably been our biggest weapon, uh, and Pogba has been so such a huge part of that as well. And I think that also is a difference between United and France. It's yeah. a very happy harmony at in France compared to United. Yeah, just give him back to us, and we will fix him at Juve. You know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it does feel like he he potentially needs a move, doesn't it? But yeah, I think it's probably fair to say that most people 
are, are back in France to come through that particular tie, which um, then leads us on to their potential opponents. So that game in Bucharest, and it's the, the winners of the match in Copenhagen where we see Croatia host Spain. Uh, Josh, on this one, any particular feelings or thoughts behind these two sides? Croatia kind of slipped in the back door in third place after beating Scotland and Spain largely kind of missed 101 chances in the first two games and then blew away probably one of the worst performancing or performances we've ever seen from a team in Slovakia. Yeah, it was it was like bosses with Spain waiting for a goal. And yeah, five come at once. It was interesting to see that, that maybe they found their groove, but again, it could be more down to their uh, opponent. And this could be a really interesting game. Uh, I think because Croatia... They're not where they once were. I mean, coming third out of a group with you know England, Scotland, and the Czech Republic in is uh, not well. Kind of speaks volumes, I would say, about how much they have changed since uh, you know runners up in the World Cup. So, I think it's kind of a difficult one to call because we've seen Spain, you know, kind of huff and puff, and poor Morata just, you know doesn't seem to be able to to score uh, in most in most uh, opportunities that he has so i think this one could be tighter than expected uh then again spain might have now just found their gear and uh, i'd feel very sorry uh, to be supporting croatia in that one if the spain that we've just seen turn up again it does it does sort of feel a little bit like this this spain team uh are just quietly going about the business. And like you say, if they actually find the goal train, um, you know, there's, there's so much potential in there, even though it doesn't look on paper like a great squad, there's there's enough there if they can find a goal scorer. Yeah, it's, this game has got either 0-0 or 4-0 written all over yeah. it. It's yeah, one of those. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I totally agree. Um, Lana, I want to get your thoughts on this one as well, because... I know you've you sort of seen a fair bit of Murata at, at Juve. Like, what, what's gone wrong for him, and does it have to go right for him for Spain to progress in this tie? You know, everyone's like bashing him, but for Juve, he's great. Yeah, <laughs> he's it's weird, isn't he it? Assist. He's he's really good. I mean, he was shocking at Chelsea. Didn't really hit it off at Atletico at Madrid. It didn't go well. But it's just the environment whenever I feel like he's coming home to Juve. And the fact that Allegri is back now as well will, you know, bring the best out of him. So it's really difficult to pinpoint where it exactly goes wrong because you would assume he would do well playing for his country. Um, but it's just, I feel he's the most unlucky guy in the world because either he can't stay on side or he just misses penalties or, yeah, I... This guy only performs whenever he wears black and white, uh, to be honest. Yeah, it's a weird one, isn't it? Uh, and as for Croatia, I think it's fair to say, like, sure, there's an ageing squad, but there's still enough quality in, in that particular lineup that if they hit the hit the uh, the straps at the right time, then they could cause Spain an awful lot of problems. Over to the other side of the draw then, uh, Tom, let's start with you on Sweden-Ukraine. On paper, it's one of those games that doesn't look the most thrilling in the world, if, if we're being kind. But Sweden obviously beating Port uh, Poland sorry, 3-2 in their final game. They actually topped that group, rather surprisingly, to some. They've uh, they've got a couple of very sort of uh, exciting young talents and players that are very much in form. Uh, Forsberg getting a couple of goals. Isak looks looks tasty. And then there's Ukraine, who 
you know, that they've they've kind of shown flashes, haven't they? They've shown that little bit of a glimpse of of talent and potential future, but they're just they're kind of hard. It's kind of hard to see how this game is going to be anything other than a fairly tight, cagey affair with maybe one of these sides getting through by the odd goal. Or am I wrong? What do you sort of what do you what's your thoughts on this one? Yeah, no, I think it's the the prior. I think it will be a game that's overlooked by a lot of people. They'll see it on the telly and they'll be like, man, I'll give it a miss. And then you'll have a look um, at the score afterwards and you'll realise it's either gone extra time or penalties with a few goals involved in it. Um, I definitely think it's one that, say, if if you're looking for immense quality on the football field, I think they've got some good players, especially in the Sweden squad, like you mentioned, Forsberg. Um, He he bagged a couple of nice goals um, in their last game. I think Ukraine are a little bit maybe lacking in in quality in some areas in comparison to Sweden. Um, But with teams like these guys, what they lack in quality, they a lot of the time make up for in work rate effort and the, just the all-round passion that they give a game. And hence, normally we can see these kind of upsets. So whichever team progresses, it wouldn't surprise me if they cause a potential upset for the the game, which is uh, awaiting them between England or Germany. So I think it will be a game that as a, it'll be more hipsters that will be tuning into it. Um, <laughs> rather than yeah pretty much yeah um as individuals rather than the the standard football fans but i definitely think it'll be one that it wouldn't surprise me if it's a a last minute extra time goal for one particular team that maybe creeps it as a 2-1 or a 1-0 so i definitely don't think it's one that should be overlooked too easily no no i i agree and um before we go on to the inevitable i can see josh is warming up on the sidelines ready for the next game but before we do uh, Lana, Sweden's close to your heart and, and indeed mine. They're, they've been pretty impressive, haven't they? I mean, I know there's been a bit of this label of boring, whatever, but I mean, every time I've watched Sweden in since 1994, I would say is the last time where they kind of opened up in, in USA 94. But they are just, you know, that they work hard. They've got some individually talented players. They're very well structured. They're tactically aware. They're, they've been pretty good, haven't they? I think they've got a bit of a raw deal so far. You know what excites me about this team? It's the fact that they're defensively solid. Being a Juve fan, I love being defensively solid. It's like it turns me on uh, because people, you know, just letting in goals just makes me, giving me heart attacks. The fact that they are so defensively solid is amazing to watch. And then you have four standout players in Kulusevski, Foshbari, Isak, and Kaison. And it's so nice to see that mix of, you know, you still have a 36-year-old Sebastian Larsson in that midfield who, you know, lost to the same Ukraine back in 2012 with Ibrahimovic. And now here he is again, a decade later almost, about to take his team through. So it's just, it's something very exciting about this team. And I don't think people give them enough credit it's the fact that they pulled off a nil-nil against Spain, which is, was amazing, you know, beat the, the upcoming two teams, which was, you know, topping the group. No one thought they were going to do it. Uh, I mean, no one did except me, of course. Uh, but it's just nice to see such an exciting team. And I think they're going to surprise a lot of people. Uh, I have a feeling they're going to win against Ukraine. But as Tom mentioned, it's going to be, Basically, two teams sitting back, 
and it's going to be a fluke goal either way. Uh, but I have a feeling that Sweden might surprise us or Jamna might surprise us with his formation. God knows what, because that man is insane. <laughs> and then we will beat the Germans, because obviously you guys are going out. Uh, and then we're through. <laughs> yes, well, that, there you go, listeners. If you, it's not wait... coming home, guys. Sorry to burst your bubbles. <laughs> it is, it is. No. <laughs> and just to say, dear listener, that, that is clearly said, so the way to Lana's heart, if you want to uh, get a going, it's just talk defensive displays and you're right in there. So there you go. Um, right then, Josh, you can start us off with this next one. Then England against Germany uh, it, it, coming home and all that and 1998 and all of that. 96, sorry. And oh, God, there's just going to be so much. It's going to be unbearable. Uh, the game is at Wembley, first of all. Um, mm-hmm. And Lana's told you off pre-pod that you're not allowed to mention home advantage for any longer than 30 seconds maximum. So that's all I'm giving you on that one. But okay. it, on paper, again, you know, it, it is again, it's one of these games, isn't it? It could be really entertaining, really dramatic, and uh, people could be talking about it for years. Or it could be two fairly average teams fighting it out over a, a pretty poor game and one of them goes through 1-0 with a ball in off someone's ass in the 90th minute. Which do you kind of think might be the case and why? Uh, I think looking at how Germany have played and how England have started games, I think if England come out of the traps, I think they can get at this German side. They seem to still be very... Um, they got a very squidgy underbelly that I think is quite easy to get at uh, as, as we've kind of seen in a couple of their games of anybody out of group F this would have been the side I wanted to face uh, England have notoriously been excellent at uh, overplaying their chances against lesser teams uh, especially when no one has really seen them and they're, they're given the plucky underdog uh, thing like Hungary that I was absolutely dreading getting hungry because having seen them through the the group stages you know that they've they've got something about them and it had banana skin written all over it uh france and portugal very difficult ties but i know uh our bavarian friends do not feel the same way about england the same way that the forty-five thousand strong gaminati in the stands at Wembley uh, on Tuesday evening, who I am almost assured have booked Tuesday off work to start the uh, the booze cruise and will inevitably be calling in sick on Wednesday or have booked it off. Um, yeah, it, it's, it's going to be a formidable atmosphere and that's why I wanted Germany over anyone was to play off the one thing that England, unfortunately, it has risen, uh, you know, politically, we don't want to go into the, the uh, politics of England at the moment, but it is something that will create a hostile atmosphere um, is the politest way I can put it. And I think that's what they need at the moment. This England side is because I think if they're against a side that, you know, is playing either not necessarily away from home, but a neutral venue, I don't think this England side has got enough guy, or at least I don't think Southgate has got enough in him. I think he is very comfortable in the um, in the setup that he basically had in in the World Cup, which was, you know, we are we don't have the quality to beat the best sides, so we'll just sit back, hit them on the counter, and hope for a set play. And now. 
England have only scored twice in in this group stage. Raheem Sterling with both goals, neither from set plays. I think that's that's an area that needs to improve. Um, Ross is currently you know, flipping every table and chair and any drink knocking it off the side like some kind of uh, irritated feline <laughs> at the fact that James Ward-Prowse didn't make this team uh didn't make so. this squad and absolutely rightly so when mm. you especially when the manager comes out and says oh our set plays aren't good enough and you're like come on you've got that guy and you left him at home uh which ironically is what 60 to 70 miles away from Wembley um but for me I'm really excited about this game uh, I haven't been too excited about many of the England games uh, mainly because of the the terrible terrible football that's been played during them uh, <laughs> but you know you've got to look back and say this is tournament football and if Italy you know the Italy of old had said they went through this group and they didn't concede a single goal uh, everybody would be you know praising them and I think there's got to be reluctantly so a bit of praise for the job that's been done so far. But my God, I think I speak for most, I say 90% of the England fans that I would like to see a bit more expansive football. Um, but I think in this one, it's kind of the derby for at least England anyway. Um, and we don't care what performance we get so long as, so long as we beat the Germans. <laughs> yeah. Forzy, uh, yeah, I'm not going to mention any faulty towers puns, but yeah, no. you, you get the gist. Uh, <laughs> Tom, what's, what's your thoughts on this one? Because um, I think Lana's made her thoughts very clear. <laughs> what, do you, what do you reckon, Tom? I mean, is it is it a game that you're confident going into as an England fan? And and I guess the other question I'd ask you is, do, do England kind of need to put in a bit of a performance in this one? I mean, will, will the crowd be happy with just a win regardless? Or is it time where they actually sort of you know, open up a bit and actually perform for a full 90 minutes rather than just sort of 20 minutes of each game. Yeah, I definitely think performance is going to be like key here. I think work rate especially. There was um, phases in a lot of the group stage games where we looked incredibly flat and there wasn't much desire off the, even just off the ball to press teams that had an incredible lack of quality on paper. I suppose you could say no disrespect to uh, the teams that we played, but this game in terms of a spectacle this isn't it doesn't really get much bigger um than fighting against the germans in the first knockout round and then potentially obviously i don't want to look far, too far ahead now but having a, a really good crack at this um but it's just yeah it's just the performance i don't want to see a really flat england team come out and it's going to sound weird i had a conversation with my friend the other day and it just i i would feel more confident if england conceded within the first 5 minutes of the game than if it was nil-nil to about the 85th minute because it always seems to take a rocket up England's backside for them to actually get working. I remember the game um, against Germany. When was it? It was uh, when Frank Lampard's goal went over the line and then got disallowed. It was only when the Germans started battering us over and over again that the players were like, oh, hang on a minute, we've got to go back home and uh, face the wrath of all the fans for another dreadful performance. So they started pulling their finger out a little bit. Um, so in terms of performance, yeah, I'm, I'm just... I really hope that they come out swinging in this one because, like Ross said, they, this German team is from previous years. I wouldn't look at it and say it's incredibly strong, to be honest. I think um, they've got a lot of weaknesses, but my God, I hope that 
there are certain players, Jack Grealish, one of them. I really hope Southgate doesn't fall back into being comfortable and go with a lineup that stinks of uh, lack of confidence. Um, I really hope that we give this this game a good go because I don't see a way um, in in which we can play kind of a very tepid game and then the fans not get agitated and pissed off very easily because all England fans know like Germany is one of the big games for England. Like every time we seem to fall short when it comes to playing the Germans in, in big games or any, any kind of big team, really, whenever there's that expectation to be like, okay, we've got half decent side in front of us. Now we always seem to fall short. The world cup was an incredibly painful moment when we, we almost booked ourselves tickets into the final, but we still had to go through a team that was still decent. And then we went a goal up and then it, it all went tits up from there. The rest is history. So, I'm praying that Gareth doesn't stick five at the back, um, play two holding midfielders, and then we play pump ball to Sterling or Rashford on the counter-attack because I really feel that if if this England team plays with confidence against Germany, I can't see a reason why we cannot beat them. I think it's all in the minds of the players. It's not to do with the, it's not to do with the lack of ability in that England team. I think especially no. going forwards if you completely disregard the defence, the quality that we can have in that attacking line that we've still, we haven't really seen in the group stages. We scored two goals. One of them was a Sterling header. Um, and the other one was a good bit of play for a very short amount of time. And apart from that, we haven't really had much else. I mean, Harry Kane, I know you'll be very quick to to judge and say he's not being very good. And I'll, I'll agree. He's not, he's not being great, but I also say that the players, behind him that was supporting him haven't haven't been great either so i think there's a huge amount of improvement that this england team can take going into this german this german game um and i i'm just i mean it's, it's just head versus heart isn't it my head is saying it's going to be same, same old england we'll sit back um we'll let them dominate the game we won't keep the ball and then they'll either beat us in extra time or penalties um or my heart is saying please play gareth play the players like Saka, who will go out there and will play without fear. Because in that last game, I did not expect Saka to play as well as he did, to be honest. I will hold my hands up and say he was really good in that game. When He was very tidy with the ball. And if if you're looking at it from an outside perspective, you would say, why is he not starting the next one? Because there's been other players. Um, I know I, I, I have a knack of slating Sterling at times, but he scored, fair enough. But performance-wise... He's not been great. And I think you've got to, in tournament football, you've got to be cutthroat with team selection. And I can't see a reason why Saka doesn't deserve to be in that team. Um, Mm. I know Lana mentioned it a couple of, um, a couple of pods ago. And me and, me and Josh almost, we were like, we were saying, I don't think he'll play, but Gareth played him. And he made the most of it. Yeah. (laughs) Lana was right. And (laughs) I didn't see Saka getting a minute. I thought it would be Rashford. Or Sancho, I mean, I, I still don't know what Sancho has done to not deserve, well, what's he had, like, seven minutes? So he's he's obviously got something. Southgate's just... I think he might have actually shat in Gareth Southgate's car or something along those lines. Yeah. It's the only way that I can can explain it. Uh, it is a really, really strange one. Um, Lana, you're, are, you, are you champing up the bit there? I get the impression you want to you wanna have a say on this one. Oh no, it's gonna be Iceland all over again. So I'm just like <laughs> preparing you guys. And by the way, Harry Kane is so shit. I cannot believe that you don't drop him. I mean, well, that's it's it's the, pro- it's the problem. Of- Sterling, why do you hate him? He scores. He is valuable, just as Griezmann is valuable to France. 
Sterling mm. is valuable to England. You guys don't understand football. This is why you support but, shit teams. Lana, we both have, uh, both the national teams we uh, support have an issue with a, an aging Spurs player who is captain of their national side being undroppable <laughs> purely for the fact that they have the armband. Oh, for the mm. love of God, don't even mention Lloris. At least I have good strikers. What do you have? <laughs> Nothing. And I've got Dominic Calvert-Lewin, who is a World again? Cup winner, but... Who but was we haven't right again? Moi. So, you know, just prepare <laughs> yeah. to, you know, go out because not everyone can beat the Germans, obviously, unless you're Sweden or France. So <laughs> I will be ready with the tissues, Josh, and, st- you know, stick that uh, home advantage up a certain place. <laughs> Nailed colours firmly to the mast. Um, yeah, I, I think that one's going to be certainly going to have a lot of eyes on it, especially in the in the UK. And, and obviously the winner of that game is, is going to face uh, Sweden or Ukraine, which is being played in Glasgow, I should say. And then the, uh, the, the, the uh, quarterfinal game will be in Rome, which will be interesting. Um, I feel we should give some, some, uh, some justice to the, the final two fixtures, which... We'll start with the Netherlands against the uh, Czech Republic. Uh, Josh, I'll start with you on this one. Um, Netherlands are a mixed bag, aren't they? They're, they're kind of they're kind of fun because they're just a bit nuts. You never really know what you're going to get from them. Uh, Memphis Depay has been been pretty decent this tournament. Genie Wijnaldum has this sort of different role that he plays for the Dutch has, has got a couple of key goals. Um, it is kind of amusing. I can't lie how how much praise uh, Denzel Dumfries is getting because he is your, your archetypal classic fullback who can't defend, but is really good going forward. So everyone assumes he's brilliant, which is kind of funny, but you know, he he's played well, but uh, maybe slightly overheight. And then you've got the Czech Republic. And I mean, what do you say about them? They, they gave England a fairly good game at Wembley last week, but couldn't find the net. They have qualified. So they're obviously one of the, the best uh, three teams, but behind the, the main qualifiers, I mean, <laughs> Where, where do you? My, my kind of head says head says this is Netherlands to lose. But do you feel like the Czech could be the opposition that undoes the tactical genius of Frank de Boer? Oh, I mean, yeah. Once you uh, mentioned who the manager of the Dutch uh, is, there's always an opportunity for them to throw something away. Uh, but I think the personnel will overcome uh, the Czech Republic. To say England probably had a 20 minutes worth of a good spell against the Czech Republic. And basically that was enough to see them through one nil. We've seen the forward line of the Dutch be a lot stronger. Uh, I think any worry that you may have about the Czech team in terms of, uh, you know, set plays, uh, obviously everybody in England is fully aware of the season that Thomas Suchek had and how dangerous he can be from set plays. But uh, I think with three at the back, uh, if Delict is, still in that back three as well I think they should have no problems uh, with set plays and dealing with that threat from them so yeah to be honest I see is I expect the Netherlands to get through this one fairly comfortably Um, but we'll have to see uh, yeah let's say ahead and heart says the Dutch Uh, but this is tournament football and the Czech Republic could surprise everybody yeah, yeah, it, it does. It does kind of have the look of one of those those games where, like we said earlier on, it could be a four 0 or it could be a, a two two. It's, it's just kind of, kind of hard to to break down the the individual um, players with each side and and how they're going to line up. What do you make of this one, Lana? Is it? I mean, I, I know you have a bit of a bit of a love a love affair with with Memphis, although he has, of course. No, I on. don't. 
No, you I don't, don't know what anymore. You're talking about. No, he's, de- he's dead to you. Okay, fair enough. Yeah. Moving on quickly. Um, do, you, do you fancy the Netherlands to come through this one, or do you think Czech Republic have got enough to to low block their way through it? I mean, it's as you mentioned, it's the Netherlands to lose. Uh, I mean, the pie finally started to show up. I mean, I know people have been frustrated with them. Welcome to my life as a Lyon fan. Uh, and I think, you know, kicking off with scoring goals and everything, it should be a fairly simple one to win. But then again, we really shouldn't underestimate Czech Republic either just because of the way they set up, the way they play, defensively solid. They're probably just going to, you know, annoy the shit out of the Dutch and in the end capitalize on a mistake and score. Uh, Obviously, that would be great because then De Ligt can have a rest in the summer <laughs> I don't care but no I bias mean, at all. Sure. yeah so but I mean it's Holland sh- the Netherlands should win I mean otherwise I'm just gonna laugh so much because then one big team out of the way clears the path for Sweden for the final it, feel, it feels to me like the, 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 the Netherlands are it's another team that as long as they're not favourites and they're not expected to do well, they can just quietly go about their business. But the minute the pressure is on them, that's when I'm wondering, can they actually hack it? And if, of course, if they get through this tie, they've got what I would maybe we're coming on to in a second, maybe class as a, a route through um, potentially all the way to the, to the semi-finals or potentially the final. Who knows? So... Yeah, it is a bit of a, a bit of a strange game. This one, I, I'm not quite sure where I sit with it. I, th- I think I'm probably on paper, I'll go with the Ducks. But yeah, never. It's never like watching Leon, though. You know, imagining them to beat a lesser team, but then mm. they just end up conceding in the 90th minute and going out, ruining your day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. basically. Harrison, actually, yeah, absolutely. And and I don't feel like the Dutch have been hugely tested, uh, apart no. from in that Ukraine game where ultimately. Ukraine kind of shot themselves in the foot rather than the Dutch winning it, I felt. So, yeah, interesting one, that one. Um, We'll finish with Wales-Denmark. Tom, I'm going to give you this one first of all. Uh, How does it feel to be Welsh? You know, you've got lots of of people that are are, are supporting you as as an underdog, and then you draw Denmark, who, of course, for obvious reasons, Christian Eriksen and everything else that goes with that, a lot of people want to see them do well. So Wales can't really win, can they? But this, on paper... This one actually, to me, looks like a game that might be quite a lot of fun on the uh, the 26th of June, what, which is, of course, Saturday, isn't it, this week? So, yeah, is this, is this one that you might be tuning a hipster eye to? Because I quite fancy the look of this one. Yeah, I think it'll be hipsters and all. I think with, with everything like you mentioned that's gone on with Ericsson, I think a lot of people will be casting an eye over this Denmark side now because um, everyone is is going to want to see them go as far as possible and then lose to their their own, their own personal team um, because the the support that that national team you can't obviously you can't uh, quantify it but they've definitely got you can feel the backing that that team has now um, and their performances I say haven't they've they've done well so far Denmark they were a team I can't remember which of you guys mentioned them to be an underdog um, but they're I did got, I'll mention that quickly uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> mentioned Denmark. yeah yeah, yeah so I, I think Sweden and Denmark that's a Denmark and then I'll just completely disregard jumping on the turkey bandwagon <laughs> <laughs> yeah so I definitely think they're uh they're a they're a team that can really hurt um, whoever they come up against, and like you mentioned, Wales. Um, 
with their performances in, in prior tournaments as well. They're going to want to try and prove a point with players like Bale and Ramsey coming towards the end of their international careers. I know they'll still have a few more years in them, but looking at that side of the bracket again, it's a really good chance for them to to really push as far as they possibly can. So both teams are going to have plenty to play for here. Um, it's just like you mentioned the case of Wales can't Wales can't come out of this uh, out of this game victorious either way, really. Um, no. Because it's either they 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 win the game and everyone hates them, or they go home. So, yeah, um, I think it'll be yeah, it will definitely be one that I'll be tuning into 100 percent just because the, the the fairy tale story has definitely clicked with me for sure, um, as I'm sure it has with a lot of other people. So, I, even though I'm Engl- uh, obviously an England fan, I would like to see uh, Denmark at least get through to the uh, to the semi final for sure. Yeah, yeah, agreed. Um, Josh, you in the same same sort of thought process on this one because. I mean, whoever comes through this, like we, like we mentioned before, they're going to face the Dutch or the Czechs. And all four of those sides would fancy themselves against each other in, in a potential quarterfinal, which is in Baku, I believe. So, yeah, who, who, are, you, who are you pinning your colours to on this one? The, uh, the, the, the Welsh or the, or the Danish in this particular fixture? I think for me, it's the, uh, it's the Danes. I've got to back them. Uh, it's a packed and pre-tournament to do well. Uh, but... You know, Wales have got that spirit that we talk about. Uh, I don't want to kind of sound patronising when you describe uh, how Wales play as well, because I think that's one of the things that has been noted when you talk about other home nations, It's especially for Scotland. It's kind of sickening how patronising people are about how plucky they were. But I think this Wales side, you know, they've got uh, Gareth Bale in it, who's got four Champions Leagues to his name. Yeah. And... uh, Aaron Ramsey that we all know very well uh, as a player and there's a couple of others that you know this is a side that kind of as we've spoken about uh, especially with teams like Sweden that they can be bigger than uh, you know the sum of their parts and just having that bit of quality in the right place uh, is perfect for them you know they've got a guy who knows how to get into the uh you know, knows how to score goals in, in Ramsey and he can be on the same level as Gareth Bale who can then play those delightful passes into him mm-hmm. and uh, vice versa as well. So they've got, they do have a team and uh, it's Kiefer Moore who scored their first opening goal of the tournament. Yeah. He's another guy who, yeah, looks to be just one to keep an eye on and... I think that's the thing that Wales have got those big players that when you're man marking at a corner, you're expecting to go for the big names. And then it's one of those kind of smaller, lesser players that you don't really know about that is going to undo you. Um, But yeah, I think this is going to be a really interesting game uh, to watch generally. And yeah, Yeah. uh, Baku will be, I would say slightly great for Wales seeing as they play two of their games there already so presumably they're based they're based in and around Baku so yeah you never even thought yeah. about that to be honest yeah they might might be familiar with you know, just familiar with the stadium pitch and mm. surroundings and all that goes with it that does give you a, a tiny a tiny edge in the modern game where mm. the small things matter essentially on, on that particular scale so yeah I'm kind of with you on that one I think uh, I think it's fair to say that the, the, the tournament is uh, <laughs> This is kind of what the, the question I want to ask you all, really, is, as we sort of bring the, the the preview show to to a close, as it were. I want to ask you all individually if, if you've enjoyed this tournament, because I'm kind of I'm kind of on the fence a little bit. Um, Lana, I'll start with you. 
what what's been your kind of highlights what have you enjoyed and if there's been things you haven't enjoyed what what have they been I think what's been kind of fun to watch is the individual performances of certain players that you wouldn't necessarily expect to shine compared to the big names. Like we all expected, you know, there was so much pressure on, but the likes of Benzema, Ronaldo, Bale, etc., etc., Lukaku to, you know, step up and be the stars. Um, but then you have someone like Isak who people might not be so familiar with being such a shiny star. Uh, someone like Locatelli being, you know, great for Italy. It's, I think that's been the highlight for me, watching, you know, certain individuals being so good for their respective nations compared to players you would otherwise look to, uh, you know, dominate the headlines i mean we all expected so much of mbappe but so far has been a disappointment but it's been amazing to watch someone like you know pogba control and uh, you know be that star of that french team so i think that's been a highlight um disappointed with france uh if i may say so uh but it was expected as i mentioned i wasn't really confident going in uh but we ended up topping the group by some crazy fluke. Uh, so hoping it kicks off, but it's just exciting to watch someone like Sweden who's, you know, no one's even paying attention to them and they're just quietly going around, you know, about their own business and might surprise everyone. Uh, yeah. So I think it's the lesser team that's been exciting to watch more than the big ones for me. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I go along with that. Yeah, I think you're right. That teams that you maybe don't expect to have performed have, have actually performed quite well, and some of them that you maybe thought would be actually pretty good have really flattered to see. I think that's probably probably fair. What about yourself, Tom? Have, have you had a similar experience or anything that you've sort of really uh, really particularly clung on to? I the, the biggest issue I've had with this tournament is I don't really like the all around Europe thing. I don't know if you've had a a, a, theory, a feeling about that but I like it when it's just in one main country personally but that's just me what what, what have you made of it yeah no I, it's a it's a different a different kind of emotion I suppose for this one compared to normal ones I think the it doesn't help that we've had so much football recently um, but there's always an excitement for me watching um, these kind of international tournaments as Lana said to keep an eye out for players who you've not heard of um Don, I think it's Daniel Marlon for um, the Netherlands. Yeah. I've heard a lot of whispers about him that he's uh, potentially a very good player. And then it's it's always good to then see them um, on a big stage um, and see how they perform. And it's I'll never lose that interest in looking at young players that come, almost pop out of the blue. Um, I think I mentioned it on a couple of pods, especially like the Netherlands are renowned for it. Um, and even players in like the Italy team that people wouldn't have even heard of um, all of a sudden after this tournament, if they play the way they are and continue to, it can almost pave their, pave the rest of their career um, for the, for the near future. Similarly with like um, the best thing I can, the best example I can think of is uh, like when Hal Robson Carnu pretty much saved the, the latter end of his career with five seconds worth of football. So um, mm. I think it's, yeah, in, in terms of the, the bigger picture of things, it's not, for, I don't know. I don't know why. I, I don't think I found it as gripping. Normally, it's a it's a case of 
I'll almost make it an objective to, to watch as many games as I possibly can and try and fit them in. Whereas this one, because there's been so much football this year, it's been a case of I'll watch the ones that I feel are going to be the most exciting ones rather than almost get up for a buzz of every single game. Um, yeah. But I mean, totally it's, always, it's, it's, always, it's always painful with knockout football with England anyway. So it's always nice to... <laughs> I've, I've learned to find um positives in other areas of football in international um level anyway but yeah you know, I, I think i think going into the later stages um i think i'll my interest will grow again especially if england actually beat germany then i'll be glued to that as per usual the, the it's coming home uh brigade i'm sure will as well but i think um yeah it's 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 a different one i wouldn't say i'm i'm bored of football particularly but that 110% interest in every single game for international football at the moment for me isn't currently there. So I'm more keeping an eye on um, the micro things, so like the the potential young players um, and like the the Hollywood story, like with Denmark now, for example. I'm more I'm more glued and engaged to that kind of stuff rather than the the bigger picture of it. If that makes sense. Yeah, totally. And and I'm I'm completely with you on the whole. You know, we've we've just. I think particularly because of the, the the whole lockdown situations around the around the world for the past eighteen months and this essentially football being forced down our throats. Yeah, of course we you know we want to see football, but eventually if, if you get too much of a nice thing, you do kind of go. Actually, I, I kind of want a bit of a break from all this, and uh, we're not going to get that, of course, because we not only do we have the Euros, then we have pre-season, we're straight back into club football, and then of course we've got a World Cup in the winter. So you know, it, it's it's all go. Josh, your thoughts on it? Have you felt the same, much the same as myself and Tom and Lana, that kind of all footballed out thing, or have you actually been glued to the majority of the games? No, I think it's the opposite. I think it's like a breath of, uh, breath of fresh air, to be honest, to see this. So yeah, if I can say so myself. <laughs> um, yeah, it's it's been great. I I kind of like the. I think I've always been a fan of international football. That's. Um, one thing I should probably caveat this with. Uh, so uh, seeing this, I think because we've come off a season, which has basically been watching your club side for what? 60, maybe more games. You know, you basically watch two seasons of football condensed into 18 months. Mm. And I think that has jaded a lot of people. You can even see it in a lot of journalists in their writing uh, in a lot of their takes as well, they can tell that they're really jaded because there's some dodgy opinions coming out now from <laughs> uh, normally sensible people. Uh, but for me, I've enjoyed this. I don't necessarily see the uh, the problem uh, or, or necessarily notice, you know, being in different parts of uh, Europe for each of these games. Yeah. Uh, I think there's obviously an underlying thing that we're not sure exactly the full extent of advantages by this. I do feel like, you know, some teams have been uh, mugged off by the, should we say the placement of where they are for their group games, like the, uh, uh, the, the Dutch, uh, sorry, the Welsh fans having two games in Baku is certainly not yeah. close for, for them to get out to uh, really. And I think that's going to be, I think for the, I think for the match going fan, I think this might be a tournament that isn't as exciting as it could be because it is very much a case of check. Can I get to the next game? You know, what are the rules of the country going in? That's one coming up uh, closer to home. Obviously, England's hasn't been a problem right now, but for the 
potential quarter final being in Rome, well, every England fan I know uh, who's been going to the games is waiting with bated breath to see if they will be allowed into Italy. And then yeah. if not allowed into Italy, finding ways to get into Italy, should we say, um, <laughs> via other countries utilising, uh, you know. I wouldn't let you in. That's fine. Uh, they'll, be going via, they'll be going via France. They'll be going via Switzerland. I can by, expect those to all thingy. go in. I'm going to write to the Italian Prime Minister to, you know, just ban all English people at the borders, oh. you know, since you guys are so fans of doing that. I I wouldn't expect that. Uh, any le- anything less from them to do that because to be honest I'd be doing exactly the same if I was Boris Johnson I would have been closing the border to Germany as soon as we were uh, you know <laughs> as soon as the tie was announced I wouldn't be letting any Germans in just to make sure and just yeah uh, that that's the kind of level of pettiness that I hope to see from everybody else because it's the level I would stoop to um, <laughs> I don't know why yeah. people. I don't know why people don't want to see loads of twenty stone bald middle aged men shouting rubbish in I another mean, country. I, I who who wouldn't yeah. want to see that? I mean, you know, exactly. who I, I feel like we've done. Uh, you know, I'd rather go blind. Of, exactly, we've done everybody a favour. If this was in one single country and in mm. one single potential city, you'd have to put up with all the England fans. At least we've done the dutiful thing and kept ourselves to our own country this time around so would, uh would you like a yeah. Medal, yeah the the cafe owners of many many alfresco uh dining <laughs> places around europe are very happy that england fans were not <laughs> descending on their town they've this kept their time. um yeah they've kept their plastic patio furniture intact for a summer <laughs> exactly um, yeah i, I so, tell you what I know it's slightly off topic, but um, mm. imagine what people are going to be like, what, particularly, shall we say, the rowdy nations are going to be like when we go to Dubai and Qatar for this World Cup. That's going to be um, quite the experience. I oh, would you're going to get thrown out. Exactly. Oh, they're, they're, thrown back, out. they're going to come back missing limbs, I think. If they're, yes. Uh, if they're not and I'm going to be front row filming everything. <laughs> <laughs> they, they don't put up with much shit in those sort of countries. So, no, they uh, don't. That will be uh, interesting to see. Obviously, that's a year away, but yeah, stay tuned. For, I wonder for how many Brits will be jailed. My money's on at least thousand. Maybe I, I think, I think, I think they'll be... done well if they keep their lives. To be honest, yeah, I was going to say I think it might be worse than jail if, if some of them have behaved the way they have done in the past. But that's for uh, for another podcast. So, as we wrap up tonight, then uh, of course I have to ask all of you uh, your winners and why. But in the interest of time, I'm going to give you all one minute, not one minute, second or anything more. You're all going to get one minute to give me your winners and your reason briefly as to why. Um, who am I going to test first? Lana, I'm going to give you that test first. Your one minute begins now. Who's going to win the final or the fixture they're playing with? Or the like tournament. the team? Your, your overall winner of the tournament. France, just because I feel there's less pressure on them now, given that no one's going to rate them because of the way they've performed. But I think the draw against Portugal will spring them to go on and just conquer every team on the road to the final. And we're going to crush you if you come to the final. God, we're going to beat the shit out of you. And Mbappe's going to, you know, spin and Turn up and not be offside. Yeah, that's Mbappe's job. 
Maybe well. Kane can learn to run. <laughs> Now, 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 now. Give it all now. hope. Give it all hope. <laughs> same, all hope. <laughs> Don't think that's likely to happen anytime soon. Like England um, and the final in the same sentence was hope enough. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, let's not get let's not run before we can walk here. Uh, Josh, you're up next. Then uh, your uh, your minute begins now. Okay, I'm going to go short and sweet with no interruptions. Uh, England, because it's coming home. Oh, you stole my line. Oh, God. Oh, God. God. Oh, my God. Good Lord. I thought I'd escape it just for one night, but no, absolutely not. So, and now now your real answer? Uh, I'm not really sure my real answer. I thought that would be enough. I could avoid it. Uh, Real line, I'll go Portugal. Um, Screw uh, you. Portugal Italy is going to be a hell of a quarterfinal. Mm, interesting, interesting. I would agree with that. That would, could potentially be a very good quarterfinal. Uh, Tom, wrap us up. Who is your winner and why? Uh, yeah, so Josh stole mine. So um, I've got. I'll uh, I'll keep it sensible. So yeah, I think uh, Italy for me. I think from uh, from their performances so far. I think the main test will come in their in their next game in the quarterfinal, whether it be Belgium or Portugal, and then we'll really see what this Italy side's about. Um, and mainly because whenever I see them blast the national anthem out, you know that their players are <laughs> going to give absolutely everything. Even George Chiellini, I'm surprised he has a voice at the end of the football games with the uh, yeah. the, the 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 amount of noise that comes out of his mouth during the national anthem is quite scary. So yeah, I'm going to go with uh, I'll go with Italy for me. Interesting. Yeah, I can I can I can see John Welsh uh, punching the air from here uh, as he's uh, on very much on the Italy train or bandwagon, whichever one you want to select from that fine group of of, uh, of um, statements or, or labels, I should say. But yes, I um, of course, listeners, you, you of course want to know who I think will win it. Uh, I don't see anyone stopping Ukraine at this point, so uh, they're clearly the tournament favourites. But uh, yeah, I mean, head over heart and all that jazz. I still think France are the team to beat because I still think they're the best team in the world on their day. Um, but I, I still will stick with my original uh, sort of dark horse or team to watch or team to fear. I think of Belgium. Uh, and I don't even really know why at this stage. I just just got an inkling that they'll be tough to beat. And I think they will actually get through the, the, the Portugal tie. And uh, and as we've just mentioned there, I think there'll be quite a test for Italy. So uh, yeah, Belgium and my I'm going to stick with them until they go out, and then of course I will change my views. So yeah, there you go. Right, fantastic. Well, that was very good, boys and girls. Thank you, um, thank you very much for all of our listeners for tuning in. I know we don't necessarily kind of advertise these pods, so it's a little bit hard for you to get questions in. But I think all all four of us are, are available via the, uh, the the fantastic means of Twitter, unless it's abuse, of course, and then we just won't respond. But you can abuse us if you want. I mean, if you've got nothing better to do. But if you have got a genuine question and you want to you wanna sort of bring it up and, uh, and maybe mention a few things or create some talking points for us all ahead of our next pod, then please do drop us a tweet and we will do our best to get those booked in for you. And uh, if cars would stop going past my drive, maybe we could get to a lot more of those because it's very noisy here. I do apologise. But so we will aim to be back. Um, we're not going to promise because that went wrong last time. But uh, the plan would be to do some form of pod after the second stage. Uh, Josh, you're my man with fixtures. Is there a break before the quarterfinals or are we straight in? There's at least a break for the first uh the first of uh july is at least there i i'm not going to work out if there's 30 days in it but there's no game on the 30th uh and ah. i don't know if there's a 31st either 
There isn't the um, 31st of June. I can confirm that. So, there we go. Uh, yeah. So we've got another there two days to try and slide it in just before we kick off again. Um, St. Petersburg on uh, the 2nd with the winner of, well, either France, Switzerland, Croatia or Spania. Fantastic. <laughs> Don't jinx it. So, yeah, in that case, then, the plan would be loosely planned in air quotes to uh, to do another pod in between those uh, fixtures ending in the second stage and the quarterfinals beginning, where, of course, naturally, we shall uh, we shall all get around the table once again and, uh, and fight our corners as to who's going to win it. And uh, hopefully we'll no longer have to hear Josh talk about the idea of it coming home. So I think I think we can all say we look forward to that day. Sorry, Josh, I couldn't help myself. You got in first. I wanted to finish it. Right. Uh, that will draw us to a close. And thank you, as always, for listening. Uh, thank you to Tom. Thank you to Lana. Thank you to Josh. Thank you all very much. It's been a great pleasure. Yeah, thank you for having me, mate. Thank you. Roger. You're very welcome. So uh, if we can keep our pod together and we don't all scratch each other's eyes out over potential allegiances, uh, we'll be back after the second stage until then keep your beer strong and your glasses trendy we've been the football hipsters and we'll speak to you very soon